Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, how to manage an arrogant producer. What do you do when one of your top performers is also a lousy team player? Or put differently, what do you do when one of the most irritating people on your team is responsible for lots of your team's success? Well, whether you see it as a producer who's a jerk or a jerk who produces, the approach is the same. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. Here we go. I got an email the other day and I answered. I'd be interested to see whether you would answer it the same way. And the email was, what do you do when one of your top performers, a great performer, right? Great salesperson or a great technical person, great programmer, whatever. They're great. Great, great, great. Except, except right. they're a lousy team player and they're killing the team, right? You know, it's, it's right. somebody who, who produces lots of value, but it's just one of the most irritating people you know, and unfortunately, they happen to be on your team. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get this question a lot. And, and frankly, I think people are surprised by the answer because it's counter to what the standard behavior is, at least in terms of you're an alien watching managers behave. And it seems to get a lot of press, this idea of top performers who are, I don't know, different or unusual or arrogant. You know, the, the cast is called the arrogant producer, not because we're talking about a TV or a director, TV or movie producer, but rather somebody who produces good work. I'm going to cut right to the end and then I'll go back. And the answer is, look, if you've got a top performer who continues to be destructive to your team, you work with them and then ultimately you fire them. Okay. Now, don't everybody jump through the, through, you know, jump off a cliff and say, Oh my gosh, what, what are we talking about here? What we're saying is, uh, the common wisdom of managers saying, Oh, I've got to figure out a way to keep this person. Yeah, that's true. But that does not eliminate the possibility you're going to have to fire them. And the simple fact is you talk to any senior person and they will tell you the same thing in their career. Every single time they waited and felt like they shouldn't do it because the performance was so great, they regretted it. And every single time they took the person through a process and then fired them, everything was better afterwards. So there's not a lot of evidence of this out there except among top managers and top executives. But the fact is you end up firing these people. Now, the answer is not fire them right away, right? Because in the beginning, do we want them on our team? Yeah, for now, they're producing. And, and look, in the future, we want them on our team if they change their behavior. We give them lots of feedback, positive and negative, about both sets of behavior. And that's where so many managers go wrong. And that's sort of the core of this cast. But look, if they don't change their stripes about working with others, if they don't respect the team and work to build the team rather than destroy the team, what do we do then? Well, we fire them. Okay. So we don't want to fire them. Obviously they're, they're no. one of yeah. our best producers. So what do we do in the hopes, knowing that we may get there, but what do we do in the hopes of getting them to change the behavior? Yeah. So seven steps to go through and I'll, I'll give a little bit of an expanded outline for those people who love the idea of, okay, I just, I just want the, I just want you to tell me what to do. And I don't really care about all the background and the whys, right? So the first thing you do is you always give top performers positive feedback for, for performance. You don't stop giving a top performer positive feedback for what he or she is doing simply because they're always doing, they're also doing bad things. They're doing good things and bad things. So we give them that positive feedback. We continue to give positive feedback even as they destroy our team. Okay. 
Number two, we also give feedback on their team destructive behaviors. We give both. We give negative feedback when somebody does something that tears down the team. At Manager Tools, we believe that you're responsible both for performing and for supporting the organization, which in this case is the manager's organization. Okay. Now, number three, we'll just take a minute and say, these are not two approaches. This isn't two different approaches to things. These are not opposed to one another. It's one approach, and the approach is performance improvement. And there can be performance both in the short term, which is producing, and long term, which is building the team, as opposed to obviously the opposite of that, which is destroying the team. So number four, just because the negative continues, if in fact, after three, four, five months, you, you haven't gotten a change in behavior, you don't stop giving positive. You can give positive right up until the day before you fire somebody. You can. Um, those things are not incompatible. Number five, if you in fact are dealing with something happening together, both positive and negative at the same time, you give just the positive by itself, or if you must, you give positive before the negative, okay? In the event that they tactically occur together. Number six, you've totally got to keep your boss informed because all too often bosses, bosses don't see that the, the, the team destructive behavior or, or, or they understand that the person's difficult, but everybody's bought into this idea that difficult people are, you know, that only top producers are by definition somehow difficult. And, and the fact is that's just not so. Uh, there are plenty of top performers who are great at building the team. Okay. And the last thing is, yes, if you don't, if they don't change and we've worked with them, we've done our best, we've, we've given them feedback, we've given them systemic feedback, we've coached them. If they don't change, you fire them because no person is bigger than the team, period. Wow. That's a lot. And it's just the outline. So, so for those of you who, who just want really a, a one minute manager tools podcast with all the, with just the how to, well, that's it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. For, and for those of you who want the, the deals, details behind it, here we go. Yeah. Because inevitably life and management is more complicated than just do that. Right. And so people want to know the what and the why and the how. Right. Okay. So your first step which is give top performers positive feedback for their positive performance. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, no, no one's going to argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So why then would we say we wouldn't want to give a top producer positive feedback just because of some other things? I mean, if they're doing good things, we want more of that. And, and look, top performers, we, we don't just want to, more top performance from them. They want feedback from us for what they do well. They expect it. Effective managers want to give them the feedback because we know that that good performance that we note is more likely to be repeated. Pretty simple. Yeah. And we want good stuff repeated, right? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Right. And what's funny about that is people make a mistake of believing that the opposite is also true, that if we give negative feedback, then that will, uh, that they'll change their behavior. Not necessarily so. Positive feedback increases the chances they'll do the same thing again. Negative feedback causes people, or, or punishment, I'm sorry, punishment causes people to stop, to try to avoid punishment. doesn't necessarily mean they'll do the right thing. Right. I, I think it's interesting here because it, it's pretty clear to me here that we're not discriminating between top performers who are nice and top performers who are jerks, right? Yeah, look, effective managers give frequent performance feedback to all of their top performers about their performance regardless of other factors, Okay. And the reason we do it is feedback works. It's not rocket science. Um, look, just to be clear, if you believe you should not give performance feedback to your top performers, if you don't agree with that, stop listening. Because you don't get that. You don't get that, right? The rest of this is a waste of time. We're making an assumption here. 
we're covering it now, but we're covering our assumptions that, that you know that. If you've got a top performer, we're giving them performance feedback about their top performance, whether it's sales or engineering ideas or, or efficiency or project tasks completed or customer contacts or driving runs made without incident or maintenance logs kept up to date. It doesn't matter if you have people meeting the standard and exceeding the standard, you want to tell them, do more of that. Yeah. Now, for those of you who know that you should be doing this, or at least know that it's more effective to give positive feedback to top performers, but you aren't. But well, you aren't. <laughs> well, you can keep listening too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We wish they would, right? I mean, we'd love for people to give positive feedback. And, and and we know your conscience, for most of us anyway, tells you that if you did it, things would go better. But even if you aren't, maybe hope of this cast will help you start. So, and one of the point I want to mention is we're covering a fundamental premise here is that a brief aside for those of you who are thinking, well, I don't praise my top performers too much because a lot of them want promotions and or money and I can't or don't have those things to give them. And this is actually, this comes up at the conferences, right? When, when, um, you and I and Mike Swinson are role playing and, um, you guys always push back after I give positive feedback. So oh, can I have a raise? And and I say, no, very, very deadpan. No. And the audience always laughs. And, and it's funny. I think they laugh because, ooh, he said something I probably wanted to say, but didn't know I could. Yeah. So if somebody asks for a raise, you tell no. <laughs> um, but look, we know that's a fair concern. We know some of you have that concern about, oh, they want more. And I don't want to give them positive feedback because they'll perceive that that positive feedback is the promise of future goodness of some sort. And look, we know that you don't have all the tools you'd like. Wouldn't it be great if you could promote everybody every time they do anything? But look, this that isn't really an argument against feedback. It's just a lament about the lack of rewards available to you. And it's probably due to budget. And look, we understand it. But again, for the hundredth time, let's not make the perfect the enemy of the good. Rather than withholding feedback and praise and other free or virtually free consequences, if you will, for, for top performance, why not do what we can? The question is not, you know, should I tell them this because they might want to raise? The question is, should I or should I not? What's worse, them asking for a raise and having to say no, or them doing good work and you essentially, in their minds, ignoring it? The answer, of course, is to give them the positive feedback. Just because feedback isn't enough for them doesn't mean it's not worthy and valuable. And if you think of it this way, if you choose not to praise or give feedback to them and they leave, when your boss asks you whether or not you told your departing star how well he was doing, are you going to tell him no because you didn't think it was enough to keep him? Right? Right. And we certainly got to cast in that in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we give him positive feedback about his great performance and he's got a lot of yeah. it. So we're going to give him positive feedback about it. He's a jerk, but he's a top performer. So we tell him, hey, good, good job today. And here's what you did that was good. Okay. But he's a jerk. So what do we do then about the team transgressions? Certainly we give feedback about that as well then. Right. And let's be clear here. We've got, we've probably got two audiences, people who know about behavior and those who don't. So folks, for those of you who are longtime manager tools listeners, and we say the word jerk, we're using that as shorthand. We know that we wouldn't give feedback to someone and say, you're a jerk, uh, but rather 
it's easy to know. When we say jerk, we we guess that the vast majority of you know what we mean in terms of people who are rude or disrespectful or are behaving inappropriately toward other team members and so on, arrogant and, and those kinds of things. We're going to capture all that in the word jerk, even though we wouldn't actually talk to them about being a jerk. We talk to them about the behavior they engaged in, okay? Like we've done in the past. Why don't we do a few examples, particularly around this issue of uh, <laughs> jerkness um, yeah. that, that might make it clear what we're talking about yeah. in terms of behavior. All with the understanding that this, that we are talking now, these examples, we're going to go, or you, you're going to give me some example. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'll tell you what I would say. You tell me the situation. I'll, I'll tell you what I would say. Oh, okay. And we're using these examples. And in every case, we're talking to one of our top performers. That's what you're saying, right? Right. Exactly. Got it. Okay, good. good. Okay. So let's, um, let's say somebody is openly rude to somebody else. Yeah. Okay, I'll make something up. Hey, Bob, uh, you know, I've already asked him, hey, can I give you some feedback? And then I say, Bob, when you show up late and say to me later, the project doesn't matter to you, it's rude. Okay. So the difference is the behavior is saying that the project doesn't matter after having been late. Uh, showing up late and then saying actually why they were late, essentially. Right. And, the I, project and, doesn't matter and I got from that rudeness. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about if I got somebody on my team member who allowed somebody else to fail by not supporting their work? Yeah. Yeah. I hate that one. And then they sit quietly while the person just melts down in front of the yeah, team. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd say something like, hey, Terry, can you give me some feedback? Terry, when you don't admit that your missed deadline costs Bob to report red and get in trouble for it, it's unprofessional. It's unfair to Bob. Okay. How about somebody undermining somebody else's idea? Good or bad, oh, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this one happens a lot less often than I think. Yeah. I, I see it happen a lot when we're brainstorming because people don't know about brainstorming. But, but let's just give an example of brainstorming. I say, hey, Ron, can I give you some feedback? He says, sure. I say, hey, when we're brainstorming and when you say Lauren's idea won't work when we're brainstorming, it's not helpful. And frankly, it hurts Lauren's feelings. Okay. How about if somebody did well, one of my directors did well, but did well because they got some help from somebody else. And they don't acknowledge it. And it frankly makes the other person feel bad. Yeah. Now, by the way, I'm going to give this example. Let me, let me just go ahead and give the example. So I might say, hey, can I give you some feedback? And say, yeah, sure. Robin, Robin, when you don't mention that Terry came up with a central idea in your deck, and of course I know it, right? Because you told me about it. It makes her less willing to do it the next time. And it makes you look selfish. That's not good. What are you going to do differently? Right now, I want to want to make a point here. These are kind of soft examples. We choose these examples as soft because hopefully you know. If I'm in a meeting with Mike, if I'm Mike's boss, and Mike points his finger directly at one of his associates, one of his peers, another direct of mine, and says, "You're an idiot," and I'm tired of listening to you. Okay, hopefully everyone knows you've got to address that. Now we would recommend you would address it with feedback. Although in that case, it would be, hey, Mike, can I give you some feedback? And I do this privately. I would say afterwards, when you talk like that to a coworker, I think about firing you on the spot. That's obviously a little bit, a little bit of an egregious situation, uh, or at least the thought crosses my mind, right? So what we're doing is we don't want to suggest to you that our definition of jerk is only people who are volatilely uh, abusive to other people. There are people who, who destroy the team. I can think very clearly of somebody uh, in the Midwest who top performer, brilliant, clever person, and was essentially spreading lies and rumors and, and deceits all around and whining and complaining and then saying, oh, no, I wasn't doing it. Each one of the instances was 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 almost benign, but not quite, right? Right. But yeah. over time, it was just pernicious and evil. You know, you put a hundred of those together, it might as well be 10 really, really bad moments that are fireable offenses. 
So, so we chose a bit of a softer example here to show that a hundred of these or 10 or 15 of these could be what we would consider a jerk, somebody who is destroying the team. Now, if they only do this once, it's not right. It's okay. You, you mentioned that. We're not talking about the person who does it once. We're talking about, about people who do this a lot. Well, th- these, these are the pernicious issues because this is, these things are hard for most managers to get feedback about because they say, ah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Right. You know, if somebody blew up in a meeting and got into a screaming in somebody's face, most of us either participating on this call or listening to, the, to this would uh, agree that we'd do something about it. But these things, yeah. it's easy to turn your head and look the other way. Right. Okay, so now help me here a little bit. Are you suggesting recommending two different approaches, one approach for positive things and one approach for negative things? Is that where we're going? Yeah, yeah. No, this is really kind of. I I try to avoid theory, but I want to make clear why we're doing this. It's one approach, and it's all about. It's essentially that one of the core things managers do, which is performance improvement. Both of these ideas make sense on their own. It's just the complexity of people that makes it harder, right? People do good things. One guy does one good thing and one stupid thing today. Somebody else does a smart thing tomorrow and then an ineffective thing the next day. We all do well and poorly at various times. None of us are perfect or none of us are 100% perfect or 100% evil, right? And one of the underlying principles of this cast is that we are not judging or evaluating the person when we give feedback. We're commenting about their behavior. The person is not the behavior. The behavior is not the person. We want more of the good behavior and less of the bad behavior. It's reasonable for us to want both of those. And so we talk about both of those. This is about improving the performance of the organization, not about attacking somebody. And folks, don't listen to those people. And there are a lot of them. And a lot of them are medical professionals, mental health professionals who say we must be delicate in calming on. And, and by the way, relatedly, I think there's a, there's a fair share of them in HR as well. People say we must be delicate in commenting on people's performance because some people see themselves as inextricably linked to their work. And any criticism of their work is a criticism of them. And, and to tell you the truth, the high C's who are listening, you're, you tend to lean that way a little bit more than, than some others. But that said, the mindset that you can't criticize – that you couldn't, shouldn't criticize somebody who's destroying the team suggests that these people whose work is tied to their, uh, to themselves are, are people who we can't ask to change, which is not only false, but it's not compatible with the world we live in today and the rate of change we have. Right. And, and be really clear though, folks, feedback is not criticism. Yeah, criticism is critical. It says, I- I'm critical. I-, I disagree. What you did was wrong. And feedback simply says, you did X. Here's the result. Hopefully, you can see this result is not what we want. Could you change that? And as you've said before, when you give feedback, you have to be able to do it and almost laugh about it. Otherwise, you may be having too strong a hammer. I've done that as well, too, because you and I are both high Ds, right? Yep. We're going to make the problem go away. And so, we're sometimes a little bit harder than we need to be. Now, look, here's the other thing that people miss about this. As managers, we have obligations to address both the short and the long term. Most managers don't behave that way, but the fact is it's true, right? Great performance from a team member is short term. You know, they met a goal, right? That goal six months from now is relatively unimportant to the number of goals we deal with every day. We want that. That's good. But tearing down the team is actually long term. There are consequences that are going to be felt for days, weeks, months, even years potentially, right? If it's bad enough, you may not be able to hire other good people because they know, certainly not internally, if you've got a prima donna on your staff. Performance improvement is both short and long-term. Performance coupled with destructive team behaviors is just performance 
right? In other words, all they're doing is performing, but they're also destroying the dream. So short term, they are positive, but long term, they're negative. And that doesn't last over time. That is a destructive way to go. And managers must have both performance and improvement. Okay. And improvement means change in everything, not just in work product. Okay. Well, let's, let's get to the crux of the argument here because I know folks have this question in their mind. Okay. I'm going to admit it. I'm afraid if I tell my top performer that he has a problem, he's going to withhold his top performance and I will, I will ruin all the goodness that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. By giving feedback on the negative. Yeah, there's there's almost uh, there's two sides of this, and one of them has two parts. The, the the withholding could be he just doesn't work very hard. He says, "Well, heck with you." The other one is he quits, right? Okay, but l- let's address the fear that managers have first. If your top performer withholds performance, your performance as a team is going to suffer. You as a manager are going to be accused of ruining a top performer. It, look, we're not going to kid you. That's a danger. And the biggest part of addressing that, because we're manager tools, is not no risk manager tools, right? We're going to give you a path that is the least risk, and we're going to point out how what many managers do is much more risky than they realize, particularly when you consider long term, right? The biggest part of this is keeping your boss informed so that you're not, so your boss says, when somebody says, how do we lose this top guy? He's good. Well, you don't know it, but he was abusive. You use that word with senior people, they'll be like, okay, fine, let him go, right? But look, there's more. Over and over again, we've seen it. Letting go a top performer who's a jerk frees up all kinds of other performance from the rest of the team. And it's really, folks, it's not, it's as much, if not more, than what you think you were getting from the jerk. Now, we know there's a risk, right? You have to hope that's true. But over and over and over again, Mike, have seen it, that it frees up all kinds of withheld performance from the rest of the team. And look, there's Yeah, more. what if the person's a jerk? And then you, you got three people on your team who leave because of the jerk. Right. Yeah. And and look, and wouldn't you say also, Mike, that they're not just leaving because of the jerk, they're leaving because of you too, because they believe you have an obligation to address the jerk's behavior. And when you don't, they leave in part for the jerk, in part because this guy clearly is not going to be a great boss. He won't stand up to this guy. And this guy works for him. Yeah. I'd almost argue that they're more leaving because you're not doing your job than they are for the jerk. (laughs) Yeah. So look, even if you lose your your top performer, you might say, well, okay, fine. If one person leaves, uh, you know, I'll be okay. But look, if two or three people leave because they stick around, there's no way the math works that the top performer produces as much as three people, right? And look, there are all kinds of books out there about managing special people. They're they're often built on this idea that this person you're managing is the only one in the world. Folks, it's never true. The really bad ones count on you thinking about this, but it's just never true. And then let's even get further to the bottom line. What if your top performer stays, but withholds his best performance? Okay. Now, what do you have? You have a jerk who's not a great performer. Who wants that? I mean, essentially, that's the trade-off you're making. You're saying, I want that, or I'm I'm willing to tolerate uh, destructive behavior in return for that. Look, if you have... Um, there are really two problems here, a poor performer and somebody who's emotionally immature enough to pout about it. Who wants that on the team? So what we do is we talk to them about it. And if they pout, we absolutely get rid of them because we don't need a low performer who's a powder as well. Yeah, good point, because they've really got two problems, right? They're a poor performer and someone who's emotionally immature. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, who wants that? Yeah. All right, so I've given him positive feedback about his good performance. I've given negative feedback about the poor performance. 
So what do I do? I've been doing this, and the negative performance keeps continuing. In other words, they're still a producer, but they really haven't changed the thing we want them to change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so do, do I stop giving them the the, the positive feedback? No. You know, and no. So I'm not definitely not. The no. positive feedback we give these folks is often what keeps them around long enough to hear the negative feedback and to act on it. What too many managers do, and please, folks, I'm not casting aspersions. I can remember thinking that that if I've got a jerk and a top performer, if I want to change the jerkness, I just shut up about his top performance and focus on the jerkness. Well, if he's been told for a while, he's good. And then all of a sudden, all you're doing is focusing on the negative. He's going to have a case, regardless of whether the case is really powerful or not, saying, all this guy talks about is my negatives. He ignores my positive. And so we want to give the positive. So he keeps coming back for the positive, And yet we keep giving a chance to give negative. So look, you can give positive feedback. I think I said this in the, in the longer intro. You can give positive feedback about performance right up to the very end, the day before you terminate him. Right? Yeah, I, I think people have problem with that, General. I, I just think that is just counterintuitive to most folks. That fact that I could give somebody positive feedback the morning that I fire him in the afternoon. Yeah, in a way, I almost feel like one of the ways I, I've told managers before is to think about how you're going to feel tomorrow after you've fired somebody. And I feel like if I fire somebody on Tuesday and Monday, he produces something great, but I've got to fire him because my company says there's first first responsibility is to its employees, let's say, you know, I feel like I can go back to that guy later and say, if I were to have a conversation with him and say, you know, you did great work and, and I'm sorry you didn't see that change. You know, I, I talked to you about it for six or nine months, but I hope you'll continue to try to change and give that great work to somebody else. I feel like it makes me feel better the day after to be able to say, you know, did I treat him fairly? Well, fairly includes both. That's great. And I won't tolerate that. Because people are complex, and we don't want to ignore uh, a part that's that has value. So you recognize both. When they're doing both, positive in performance and negative in team, then you talk about both. And by the way, this is an easy one to talk about, but there's also a reverse of this. What about a person who's just great for the team but a poor performer? You can give them positive feedback for being great for the team. You can tell them how wonderful they are to have on the team and how much everybody likes them and fire them for lack of performance over time as well. Same yep. thing, true. This one is a little bit more spicy, but fundamentally true because the underlying principle is what's so important. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about a, a, another kind of difficult situation, perhaps, which is I go to a meeting and my jerk performer's in there and he's got a great idea in the meeting that everybody likes, right? Right. But he's also a jerk. Yeah. How do I attack that? Do I ignore one and do the other or yeah. focus on the positive, focus on the negative? What do I do there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> managers say, I'm, I'm afraid if I, if I tell him about the poor behavior, he's going to get ticked off and say, you're blind to how good I am. You're discriminating because others are whining about the fact that I'm tough on them. I, I saved that meeting. I'm the one with the great ideas. And all you have to do is, all, all you have to say to me is I irritated somebody. You're biased. I'm going to HR. You got it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And of course, look, look, folks, if anybody ever asked to go to HR, if you're in a company big enough to have HR, you should walk them there. The last thing you want to do is be seen as standing in between your team and HR. But look, really what it boils down to, if you've, got a, if you've got a win and a loss, if you will, in one meeting from one person, and it doesn't have to be in a meeting, it could be over the course of a morning or something, you really have four choices. You can note the positive alone, you can note the negative alone, you can note first positive and then negative, or other way around. We rule out only talking about the negative usually, because if they're sensitive, they'll do just what we described and they'll, and they'll cry foul. 
okay? And we don't want them to cry foul. We want them to change their negative behavior, okay? It's not our job just to tell them they're doing wrong. We're, we want to tell them in a way that increases the chances they'll change, okay? And for the same reason, we rule out talking about the negative before the positive. If you say, can I give some feedback and you focus on the negative, they'll say, well, well, what about my great idea? And then if you then say, well, I was also going to give feedback about that, it's too late. They've already had an emotional response, right? So the only question is, so really that only leaves the positive or giving the positive first. And what we, what we recommend is two pieces. One, in the beginning, we recommend positive alone. Why is that? Yeah. The majority of these high-performing jerks know they're jerks and hope their performance shields their other habits. But they know they're doing it. What often happens is we ask if we can give them feedback, and they assume it's going to be about the destructive behavior. If you're a manager who's already telling your folks good and bad stuff they do, when you give feedback, there's a natural tendency, even if you do it a lot for a 51-49 bias, even if you've done it a hundred times, assuming it's going to be negative. It's just a function of role power in organizations, right? They assume it's going to be negative. When we focus on the positive, they end up walking right along with us and say, oh, gee, I thought you were going to mention that other thing I did. Let's role play that a second so people can okay. hear what that sounds like. So I, I'm, I'm the jerk. You, you give the me jerk. some feedback. Oh, good. I like this part. Yeah. Can I give you some feedback? Sure. Look, when you come up with an idea like that, it saves us time and money. Um, it's pretty impressive. It was pretty clever. Well done. Thanks. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought you were going to mention the part where I was pretty hard on Bob. I, I thought that's what you were going to talk to you about. So good. Uh, okay. yeah. I'm not going to tell you I didn't notice that. I, I'd like that to change too, but I, I did want to say well done on the idea. Oh, okay. Thanks. Now, look, some people are going to say that's an excessive focus on the positive, right? But look, we're recommending this in the event of both positive and negative together in the beginning of working with them on changing their behavior. This is a very narrow scope, and it's always the question we get. Well, what if they happen together? What do I do first, okay? If you have to choose, choose positive, and mention the negative if, in fact, they allude to it in some way. If they have a problem, right, and let's assume they're going to a lot of meetings, just like everybody else, they're going to have a chance to show their jerkness again. Yeah, no but without a great idea, right? right? Exactly. Where you don't have to choose, where it's not happening together. They're going to engage in some objectionable behavior without the cover of top performance. Look, in those instances, you give them just negative feedback. You don't look for something positive. We're saying if they happen together, start with the positive. But now on the other hand, let's suppose we've worked with them for three or four months and there's still no change. Maybe they're still a top performer, but they're destructive as well. When we've given them both positive and negative feedback about the performance and also about team destruction, then we can switch. And when they do both together, using our analogy or using our, the definition together, meaning roughly at the same time, we then address only the negative after we've been working with them for a while. And they're going to note the change. And our change, there's a reason for this. It's based on the increasing risks of their continued lack of change. You don't do this after one or two times. You do it after you've been given steady feedback after three to four months. The mistake most folks are going to make is they're going to do it one or two times, and then they're going to jump into this and forget that yeah. you said, you know, you've been doing this for three to four months. Yeah, yeah exactly. Three to four months, three to four months, three to four months. Look, um, there are going to be other moments when we can give them positive feedback for good performance. And there are going to be other moments when we give them negative feedback for things that are destructive to the team. But when they happen together, later in the process, lead with the negative. And you don't need to mention the positive afterwards because they probably won't hear it. Okay. Let's go back to the risk part of this because you said in the beginning of this, there is risk. This isn't, you know, no risk manager tools. There's yeah. risk associated with this strategy. So how do we mitigate that? What do we do to mitigate that risk? 
Yeah. Speaking of risk, it's funny when we, when we recommend something that's countercultural, which by the way, this cast surely is. I mean, it's effective. It's right, but it's countercultural. And that's part of the reason we're doing this because the practice of management is not all that great across the world, right? Regrettably so, right? People say, well, the risk of what you're doing is this. Yeah. Part of the reason management's messed up is that everybody knows the risks of something new because there's an inertia about doing what you've always been doing. But the fact is that what we're recommending is way less risky than what most managers do because everybody complains about it. Why can't we get rid of that guy who's a total jerk? In fact, it's even worse than that. We can't even get rid of jerks who aren't top performers. Right. You want to eliminate risk of your career? Yeah. Develop a great team. And you can't yeah. develop a great team that performs well if you have jerks on it. So there you go. There you go. That's how you, if you have a great team, you produce great results, you can get away with a whole lot. Believe yeah. Me. Yeah. Which of course is why we say the most important thing managers do is hire good people. Okay. So look, bosses only tend to bosses, you know, my manager probably only sees the performance component of somebody who works for me because they don't interact with them that much. And a senior person tends to mute the negative team destruction, the team destructive behaviors of somebody a couple levels down when they're together. Okay. Look, after a month or so with maybe you've given five or 10 bits of negative feedback about their ineffective behavior, it's time to let our boss know. And we recommend a brief face-to-face meeting. Okay. With some documentation, maybe an email in advance if your boss likes that, or I'll, I'll send you an email with the details of this so you've got it, and that documenting that we had this conversation. You talk about what you're doing. You recognize the good performance. Mention those as well, as well as the bad behavior where you addressed it. That good piece is important because if you have somebody who's going to complain to your boss or HR or anyone else, they'll say you only focused on their negatives because that is what their emotional memories will recall, and probably no other manager has done it before, and that's why they're still a jerk. You need both, okay? If it's another month down, continued lack of improvement from your direct means another monthly update to your boss. At some point, three or four months, expect to be asked about the likelihood of your problem performer changing, okay? Ask for details about what you're doing. You don't need to teach your boss the feedback model if you don't want to. You can just say, I talked to him in this way about this particular situation, And also expect to be asked about the risk of loss due to termination, right? Are we going to lose this guy? Well, you know, I'm talking to him. You know, I'm giving him negative feedback. I've been giving him systemic feedback now. I've told him if it doesn't change in the next month, we're going to go into formal, you know, we're going to, I'm going to write him up and there's going to be formal counseling and all that kind of stuff. And we're talking about the discipline process in in an organization, which, which is often how these things tend to end. And we have a cast called Late Stage Coaching, which addresses that in enormous, excruciating detail, okay? And look, at the later phases, let's say it's five months down the road, be ready to be asked, how are you going to replace him and what are you doing about it, right? In other words, what steps are you taking to replace him? Right. Well, that's a pretty good sign though, right? I mean, that's a tacit agreement that firing may be what's right to do here in this case. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Your boss is thinking ahead. Geez, this person may not, may not be safe. Now, your boss may choose to get in the middle of it. You don't want your boss meeting with your direct, but your boss may give you guidance and you want to manage that relative to what you're already doing. But look, if you're going to do this and you know it could turn out badly after four or five months, you're thinking this could turn out badly. You better start thinking about hiring and you better execute the hiring really well. Good. Okay. So let's talk about our last step. And I, I'm always surprised that this surprises people because yeah. it does. And if somebody continues to be a great performer, they're the great sales, they're the best, highest producing salesperson or the most technical and biggest producing programmer, 
but they continue to be a jerk to others on the team. And again, we don't give feedback on jerkness. We, we talk about behaviors, but right. just use shorthand here. They continue to do that. We're going to fire them. Yep. Top performers who are jerks need to be terminated if they don't change that destructive behavior, period. How long does it take, generally? Yeah, yeah, it depends on a lot of factors, really. For most situations, faster than three months with without some enormously bad behavior, like repeated loud verbal abuse or something like that, is way too fast. Six months is probably a good planning figure. Is nine months too long? No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, look, I'll tell you what, if you work for me, I wouldn't mind waiting nine months. Now, at six months, I'm going to say, look, we're three months away from you getting fired. I love you, and I want you to stay, and this behavior has to change. But if it doesn't change enough in three months, I'm going to fire you. I love you, and goodbye. There's no shame in giving somebody more time. Look, if, if, if they're 35 years old, they've been with the company for 15 years. It's not like they became a jerk in the last two. Oh, that happens. Don't get me wrong. But but probably this person's been been allowed to believe that this is okay, even though privately their conscience tells them it's not. But nobody else has done the right thing. So waiting, uh, waiting a little longer, taking a little more time, saying, "Look, I don't. I'll give you another month, but but that's it. Anything more than nine months with a continued failure is is probably too long." The reason we're saying three, six, and nine is because most managers want it to be one month. Yeah. The rare ones that are willing to say, I got to terminate this person because he's a jerk, want it to be one month. And if they've been with the company a couple of years, five years, 10 years, something like that, one month is not long enough. In fact, it's egregious. Three months is really too fast. And again, six months is probably in the ballpark. Yeah. And they're a good performer and they've been being rewarded for a long time despite their jerkness. So yeah. Yeah. And, and remember, remember something. When you fire him, it's your fault. You did it. Right? I mean, you didn't change them. You're supposed to be a good enough manager. They work for you. You've got more power than them. You're supposed to figure out how to change them. And if they don't, you have to admit failure. Every firing is a failure on the part of management. So just wrapping up real quick here. An effective manager asks all of her team to improve in all areas all the time. Team behaviors are part of overall performance. So we can and we really must Uh, ask our directs to meet some reasonable standard to work well with others and to collaborate. If one behavior is effective and another one's ineffective, it doesn't confuse people to get feedback, positive feedback on the good stuff and negative feedback on the bad. Ask people to improve. Success in one area doesn't reduce the requirement to improve in the other area, particularly if it's team, you know, creation and building of the team. If your top performer insists on being a jerk after months and months and months of work, Tell him you're going to fire him if he doesn't change. And if he doesn't change, fire him. And real quickly, the, the, the seven points, top performers get positive feedback for performance. Top performers also get negative feedback when they destroy the team. That's not two different approaches. That's just performance improvements, plain and simple. Don't walk away from giving positive just because the negative continues. Keep giving the positive. When they happen together, uh, give positive alone or then gradually move the other way. Keep your boss informed. That's a risk mitigation factor. And again, last step, fire them if you have to. But we hope you don't because you're good. There you go. And if you follow these steps, you will be good. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks, partner. All right. See you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you all again next week. In the meantime, if you haven't checked out our Effective Manager Conference, please do so. Details are on the website, www.managertools.com. We're coming to both Orlando and Chicago in the near future, and we'd love to see you there. All right, folks, we'll see you next week.